Welcome to Chasing Care, a podcast that takes an open and honest look at health and social care in local communities. We speak to care assistants, support workers, registered managers, business owners, together with the end user and their families. We speak to the Care Quality Commission and we look at the legislation moving forward. So if you're interested in health and social care and how it may affect you day to day in your local community, then this is for you. My name's Gavin Chase, I'm your host. So let's strap in and let's get going. Welcome everyone to Chasing Care podcast. And on today's episode, we have uh, somebody that's spent over 11 years as a district nurse. And then in 2011, started up Apollo Care and ventured into being a business owner within the home care sector covering the Northwest. A couple of years later, the passion to actually deliver care made her establish a franchised model because she believed passionately that quality care to a wider population was her aim. Since then, she's developed Mercury Franchise School, where she's taking those skills that she learned in setting up her own franchise and passing that on to others that are in the care industry that are interested in franchising their own business model. She's a prolific voice on LinkedIn, somebody that many listen to as a voice of reason and inspiration. And the last I heard, she was eyeing up international expansion. So I'd like to welcome to Chasing Care today, Cheryl White from Apollo Care. Thanks very much, Gavin. It's lovely to be here. And again, thanks for asking me. I'm really excited to do the podcast with you. Brilliant. Okay. It's lovely to have you here. Genuinely, I've been waiting for this moment. I read your stuff on LinkedIn. I think, yes, she says so much which is right about our industry. So lovely to see you here. Before we get going, I always ask my guests to introduce themselves. I painted a very broad picture. So tell me, what inspired you, one, to get into care and then deliver your own business? So I think, like like you've rightly said, I was I started working in care when I was just 14 years old. That was working in a, a small residential home at the top of our road. What inspired me to get into care was basically because we are a family of carers. So my mum, my aunties, uh, they were all carers, all worked in care. Again, from young ages, uh, my mum started off as a cleaner in a care home and then worked her way up to registered manager of a huge intermediate care centre. So it's always been there. Uh, it's I've never, ever thought of any other career option, really, other than health and social care. Uh, and then I started in, in the care home when I was 14 because I wanted my own money. I didn't want to keep asking my dad for money all of the time. So I think I got paid about £1.25 an hour then. And I used to work on a Saturday and I used to do one sleep in there. And the, the passion for the care industry really started then. It was a very small home, 12 residents, probably half of them shouldn't have been there. But, you know, 20 odd, you are 30 years ago now, gosh, uh, you know, women went into residential care homes when their husbands died because their family thought, well, do you know what? Mum's on her own now. She can't manage the house by herself because Mm. dad's not there. So people were talked into going into residential homes then. Fascinating, isn't it, how life has moved on from those early days? Mm -hmm. 
So you were inspired by the, the care industry, family involved. What made you think, well, actually, I want to be a business owner and do it myself? It was actually late years later, uh, Gavin. So what happened is I carried on working in the residential home while I uh, done my A-levels. I then went on to train to become a nurse and I became a registered nurse in 2000. But I took a gap year out in between while, while I was doing my A-levels and completing my A-levels, I decided to go to Australia for 12 months. So I went to Australia for 12 months and while I was there, I was working in some residential homes there and I didn't like the, the standards of care there. We used to start at half five in the morning and start getting people out of bed. And I just, I didn't like it. It wasn't the same sort of, the, the, the residential care homes weren't the same there as what they were at home. So I started a little business while I was in Australia for 12 months and I, I didn't call it anything. I just put a, a notice up in one of the local shopping centres and I ended up with three clients within a couple of days all in the Sydney area and I used to just go in every day and do companionship with them um, and that's kind of where it started I suppose I then came home went on to qualify as a district nurse absolutely loved my job as a district nurse uh, but again I could see there was a huge gap in the community care so we were providing the nursing care to mainly palliative care patients you know to, to our patients there but the case, the, the social care standards were letting them down every single time. So I decided in my wisdom then, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll start what I did in Australia here. Uh, done it a little bit more formally. So I got a logo made and started the business. It took me three years to get everything in place for that. And I opened Apollo Care in 2011. Uh, probably if I'd have known then what I know now, I probably would never have started because it was a massive shock to the system. Um, you know, being naive, I was thinking, well, I'll open this little care business. We'll have a couple of clients and I'll still nurse three days a week. And within 12 months, it was just, I'd created a monster really with it. Were you aware of all the regulation and the challenges that you were going to really be facing as as you established and grew that business? I mean, what was the shock that you were feeling at that moment? You say you became almost overwhelmed by yeah. the, the business. Was it? Were you overwhelmed by the success of the business, the pressures of the business, the delivery of services? How was it feeling at that time and why? Do you know what, Gavin, to be totally honest, it was my staff. The staff were just, the, the business itself, the regulations I was fine with, I'd always adhered to regulations throughout my nursing career. The clients were fine. The, the, the growth of the business was okay. But dealing with a huge number of staff um, was a real issue for me. I found it really, really difficult to manage that many people. Uh, the staff were... Some of the staff were great and some of them would, would really help us out when we needed them. Some of the staff were just, they, they were so demanding. They wanted what they wanted. They were always threatening that they were going to go to CQC. They were going to go to the camp. They were going to do all sorts if we didn't give them what they wanted. And I found that a real challenge when we, we were trying to provide an outstanding care service with, with over half the staff who weren't outstanding staff members. And looking back now, I realised that that was our recruitment process. It was the way we were recruiting those staff and the way mm. we were retaining those staff. So what we were actually doing is we we thought, you know, well, if we give them everything they want, they'll help us and they'll stay. And it had the total opposite effect. Um, so that was the biggest struggle for me. It, it was suddenly becoming a manager and a leader of all of these staff, which I had an absolutely no training to do at all. 
Uh, so it was that that gave me the sleepless nights and it was that that, that really bothered me. And, and I got to a point where I didn't want to grow the business anymore because I knew it meant managing more people. Mm. So what sort of scale were we at at that time when, when you realised that it was becoming a bit a bit too much to handle or in its we, current form? We probably form? had, yeah. It was, there was probably about 38 staff members at this point. So there was a, it wasn't a huge team. You know, when I think now some of our franchise teams have got over 100 staff, you know, and, and hats off to them. They manage them amazingly well. Um, but, the, yeah, there's probably around about that, about 35, 38 staff members. Uh, and then obviously then the, the clients to go with that. And we'd only been running just over 12 months. Uh, surprisingly, I was still managing to nurse a couple of days a week as well, which I don't even know how, how I managed to do that at the time. And I literally, you know, in the end, I just hit a brick wall with it. And I thought, I just, I don't know where to go next with this business. But I knew we had such a good business model and the care we were providing was was making a massive difference. So how did you make that step change then from running your own business and all the challenges that you were talking about here, the pressures, managing staff? And then how did you feel that actually we've got something which we can replicate because franchising is all about having a process, isn't it? Something yeah. that can be replicated by others that can learn from you so they don't need to make the mistakes that you've made. Yeah, so uh, do you know what, Gavin? I'd never, ever heard of franchising at this point. And I went to see my accountants and I said to her, look, you know what? I'm, I just don't know what to do with this business. It's, I'm burnt out with it. It's, you know, I don't know whether I've done the right thing. I don't, you know, and I, I was chatting to her. And it was actually her, she said to me, have you ever thought about franchising the business? And I was like, oh, yeah. So I, I just like <laughs> pretended I knew what she meant. So it didn't look stupid. And then I got in the car and I Googled what is franchising and I looked at it, started to look more into the business model. And I thought this would be the perfect solution for me. I could come away for the, from the day-to-day operations and I could actually concentrate on growing the, the business and improving the business. Because I feel like, uh, I feel that, you know, care owners and care care founders they go into the business with these great ideas you know they want to change the world they want to make it a better place they want to provide these really good care services and they get so embroiled in the day-to-day firefighting that they can't see past that anymore and that can happen very very quickly it can happen within three to six months of the business starting so what was the step change in your business that allowed you to i mean i don't want to dwell on franchising forever I know it's a very important piece of our industry. There's, I think, 22-odd franchise oars out there that offer their their best advice. But what, what made you feel that you had something which others could learn from? I think it was the systems that we had in place. So, we, you know, I'd, I'd worked on the systems, as I said previously, for three years before we started the business. So I knew I had mm. really solid processes in place we needed to work on the staff processes more but I knew we could replicate it we were getting calls from all over the northwest at one point asking us whether we would provide care services because people were hearing about Apollo and then they were finding us online and they they were calling us up so when I was looking at the business you know the, the business was profitable the business could be replicated and we had been running for over 12 months so I looked at them. They're the three things that I always look at now when I'm going to, you know, if somebody asks me to franchise their business. Um, so I knew that the, that the business had legs then. And I thought, you know what, we could replicate this. But to be able to replicate it, I need to be able to step away. And I need to be able to concentrate on on growing these replicas rather than being very embroiled in the day-to-day. So you've done that successfully. And then 
there was another moment in your life where you said, oh, hold on, I've done that for my own business. Maybe I can do that for others that are thinking about doing what I've done. So how did that yeah, come about? Yeah. So so what happened is what once we franchised Apollo when we, we were talking about what we'd done and we were advertising the franchises, people started to message me and say, I'm watching you on social media. I've seen what you've done with Apollo. Can you help me do the same with my business? And it wasn't always social care businesses, it was it was different types of businesses. And I used to say no first. You say, oh, no, you know, that's not what I do. I can't do that. But, and then I started to think, well, actually, I could do that. And the franchise consultant that I started to work with to franchise Apollo, she went bankrupt um, halfway through the process of working wow. with us. So I literally had to think on my feet. I, you know, I'd borrowed the money to franchise from my mum and I promised I'd pay her back within 12 <laughs> months. So I thought, I need to get this sorted out like right now. Um, so I thought, you know what? I could actually help people to do this. I could start to do it. Um, so I started to do that um, very loosely. We did. I didn't set that up as a business until a couple of years later. But I did help a couple of people to franchise and they were successful with their franchises. Some of them you know, are still franchising now. And I thought, you know, this is a really good way to be able to help others because I am that step ahead of them. So then I made it official in 2016 and set up Mercury Franchise School. Wow. You say you were busy when you had 12 months into setting up your own business and now you seem to be extremely busy, surely, with your Mercury Franchise School, your Apollo Care franchising, and I guess you still have some interest in your own uh, wholly owned business as well. I think, yeah, I, I think, you know what? I'm not as busy as I was then, uh, believe oh, really? it or not. And, and the reason behind that is, is because I've I've built up really good teams, Gavin, and, and that you know, I owe everything to them, really. The Apollo team that I've got, the Apollo head office team, they do literally run the Apollo business for me. You know, I get involved probably a couple of hours a day now. Um, you know, I don't get involved an awful lot with that, with Apollo anymore, that the, the, the head office team run that for me. And then again, with Mercury Franchise School, I do only take so many clients a year on and I do have a great franchise team that help me with that. So we've got lawyers, accountants, uh, designers, marketers who all come in and they do the work for, for me and my clients as well. So again, it's just balancing that time, isn't it? And making sure that you're not not burning yourself out with the business anymore. So you're not saying to anybody that being an entrepreneur moving into the care side is a bad idea because clearly you've developed it into something which is remarkable, which you're very proud of and passionate about, I can tell that. But if somebody was to join the industry, what uh, are likely to be their naive thoughts, do you think, from your experience I think the first thing that they, you know, as I mentioned before, everybody comes in with a passion. They all come in with a passion of or a reason that they wanted to, to start this business. And then what happens is reality takes over and, and you know, the, the pressures of staff, the pressures of client expectations, uh, the pressure of other business owners and the cash flow, all of that starts to come into it as well. And one of the biggest mistakes, Gavin, that I do see care companies make is that they will chase the work, sort of the bottom of the pond work, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. to make sure that they're giving the staff the hours. And it's not a good combination at all. You know, they need to be looking at that ratio. I'm not saying don't take on social clients. Apollo, look after social clients. But we do try to ratio that of an 80% private and a 20% client, uh, social client. 
that's always my sort of my ratio that I would always go by. And the reason for that is because the the social clients, you know, the local councils, they won't pay for, you know, they won't pay for the care. They'll Can pay I the just, very, very um, minimum. qualify what you mean by a social client? Because people that are listening in may not understand the difference between the yeah. types of clients and services that we support. Yeah, so a private client is somebody who pays for their own care. So they have a choice of which care provider they use. And they would go on to, with Apollo, they would use one of our Better Life Solution packages and they would become one of our private clients. A social client is somebody that the, the, the local authorities pay for their care for them because they, you know, the, there's various reasons why they may pay for their care. But, you know, one of the biggest problems throughout social care and, and NHS at the moment is that social care and local authorities will not pay enough for the care and that's having a massive knock-on effect on you know bed blocking in hospitals people can't come out of hospital because there's no care providers there is care providers but they can't run at a loss and you know so somebody who's coming in to start their own care company I would always say keep at the forefront of your mind why you started the business what did you want to do the business for and make sure that you give yourself that time to grow and develop that passion. Yeah, I speak to a lot of people in the uh, the industry and around the industry from doing podcasts and just generally talking to people. And when I speak to people interested in joining the industry, they always feel that there's a need, which yeah. I agree with. There is a need, but they do seem very naive, that's the word, about where they're going to find the care workers from, the care mm -hmm. assistance support workers, and who the clients are. In fact, I had a call in from somebody today who's running an agency for 12 months, and they're talking to us today because they can't get clients, because they can't get the, the right pricing to make their business work as a model. Yeah. I mean, is that really the, where the checks and balances are with, with people that have this great passion to run a care business because they, they've maybe experienced it in their life, their family, but reality check is it's not as easy as you think it's going to be? Yeah, I think, you know what, the, the first thing that you've got to look at is, you know, starting any business is where do you want to sit your business within within the industry or the profession? So, you know, do you want to be a care company that will take on lots and lots of social clients and if that's your business model then that's absolutely fine but you need yeah. to set a model where you're going to be able to make that business sustainable financially as well uh, are you going to be a premium company that do concentrate more on the private end of the packages and then you will take some social clients as well for that wanting to make a difference stand um, but you've got to make that choice when you start your business you've got to make that choice and you need to stick to it and make sure that you that your business model supports it. And again, you know, with our franchisees, when when we're talking to them, this is something that we talk about as soon as they they join the Apollo franchise. So we show them how to attract the private clients into the business model, um, and it's offering packages that are going to support that client, uh, you know, in their everyday life. And again, it's about the outcomes of that support. People talk a lot about what they do, but they don't talk about what the outcomes are going to be for those people. Again, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, and we made this mistake for the first couple of months um, when we started with Apollo, is we presumed that the, the the clients were our customers and it's not the clients at all. It's either their families or other care professionals. The clients don't want care. They, they don't think they need care. 
Uh, they certainly don't want to pay for care. So when you're advertising to those clients, you're never going to bring them in. It's always the family members or the other professionals who, who are referring them on to you as well. So let's be realistic again for somebody that's thinking about starting up in care. What really are they in for in terms of their commitment financially, do you think, and also the way that they would need to structure a business to be successful? Well, they're going to be in the business, Gavin, for the first, you know, they're going to live and breathe it for the first three years. And that's something that they need to understand. You know, it's not a care company is not something you can pick up and put down. It's 24 hours a day and it's seven days a week. And you've got to be prepared for that. You've got to be ready for the two o'clock in the morning call saying I'm not coming in in the morning. You've got to be prepared for somebody going off sick five minutes before they start a shift because that's the reality of care and that's what happens. And you need to structure your business so that you've got backup for that. I didn't. I didn't, you know, I didn't think for one minute that people did things like that. And as soon as it started to happen, it, it proper, you know, it threw me and I was like, I, d- I didn't know what to do. And uh, now, luckily, you know, when, we, when we're talking to the Apollo franchisees, we'll make sure that there's systems in place for them to be able to manage that and to be able to handle it. So someone coming into care, it's such a rewarding business. And I think, do you know what? We need good care companies now, as as many as we can. Um, But you've got to, you know, as you rightly say, you've got to be realistic about what their expectations are on yourself as well. Uh, And now with the, you know, going back to the the franchising side, uh, Mercury Franchise School, we now specialise in health and health and social care businesses to franchise because we understand what happens. We understand the regulations we understand that you can't switch off at five o'clock and then come back at nine o'clock the next day. So when we're helping somebody to franchise their health and social care business, we're, we're, we're helping them to franchise, but we're looking at the franchise model alongside the care model with the Chloe's and the CQC and everything that comes into it. So it's a hybrid of both. Yeah, and as a, a regulated industry, do you feel that we are somewhat different from most franchising opportunities that are out there there's there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands probably of franchise opportunities whilst i'm in that market of care and i love it people need to be realistic don't they as well it's a highly regulated industry and i don't think that really comes through sometimes with the franchises yeah i think you're right and um you know when you are franchising a health and social care company see although you are you personally as the franchise business aren't regulated by the CQC but your franchisees are so what the CQC like to say is how you've selected your franchisees Mm -hmm. to ensure that they will be CQC compliant so there's policies and procedures on their own that go with how you know that your franchisee is suitable to be a nominated individual and other franchise consultants just don't get that Gavin at all because they're not from that background so they're creating these franchise packages and they're, they're helping health and social care companies to franchise without even considering that and it's not their fault because they don't know so then when the the you know the franchise is ready to be launched the franchise all suddenly realizes that they've got all of the, you know the franchise systems in place but they're not cqc compliant so that you know that they do need to go together yeah so what's your focus for 2023 then cheryl is it growing your own franchises is it growing that franchise school 
or is it going global? I mean, what's the picture look like for you? Well, it's a bit of it's a, a bit of all of it, really, Gavin. To be honest, so this year we're taking we're looking to take on four more franchisees for Apollo. We only take four a year. We take two early in the year, and then two later on after the summer holidays. Uh, so yeah, looking for them four franchisees for Apollo. Uh, growing the franchise school. So I'm just working with a couple of clients now to franchise their social care businesses. So we've got room for a couple more there. And then again, I'm exploring the international side. And we have put the, well, I wouldn't put say put the brakes on that. We've slowed it down a little yeah. bit as I've got my head around where we're wanting to go next and what we're wanting to do with that. Uh, but we're still working with the with the international franchise consultants to, to see what that's going to look like for Apollo. Wow. And, and you don't have a problem riding horses either. You seem to find time in your day to fit that little task in yeah. as well. It's important, you know, you, you've got to be able to do that. I was on a, on a retreat in September in Mexico and we were looking at what oh, wow. our human designs are. And I'm a projector. That's what my human design is. And uh, I've got got a hand on, on the desk. <laughs> and when I read it, I said to my friends who, who wrote it, I said, oh, my God, this is like the handbook of Cheryl. It's everything about me. And as a projector, I need to I can only really work for three to four hours a day. That concentration's there then. And I need to project what I need to do out to a team. So I've built my businesses around that. And then that then gives me the, I'm better of a morning work. And that then gives me the <laughs> afternoons to go and write. Oh, so I just snuck in under the radar here. Snuck at, in just, starting yeah, our just podcast time, yeah. of the day. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, I'd like you to give three tips to somebody who's thinking about moving into the care sector. I mean, it's a great marketplace to be. It. I don't think it matters whether or not your tips are franchise related or whether or not just as a business owner so if you were telling somebody in front of you today what are the three things you should really be aware of be thinking about or doing yeah so the first thing i would say is to manage your time really really well you know when whatever you're going to be doing that day make sure that you do that and you're not getting you know embroiled in the day-to-day like i was chatting about before so and how you do that is by very quickly building your team. So if you can build your head office team with your care coordinators, your registered managers as quickly as you can, that will then enable you to step back and to be able to work on the business rather than in it. A second tip I'd give is when you're looking to attract private clients to your business, I would set up some private packages. So we do our private packages now within Apollo. They're called the Better Life Solution Packages. And we we advertise them to our clients. They pay on a monthly basis so they know exactly what's coming out each month. And they also pay for that a month in advance, which really helps with the cash flow of the business. And then the third tip I give is look at your staff retention program. So how are you going to ensure that the staff you attract into the business stay in the business? And it's not always about their pay. It's about their self-development. It's about the way they're supported. It's about the uh, career progression within the business as well. So if you can nail those three things, so building up your team, creating your packages for your private clients to invest into the business, and then your staff retention systems, you would be good to go. That's amazing. That's that's such good advice. Thank you for, for sharing that. And uh, if anybody was trying to track you down, Cheryl, if they want to find more about your franchising methodologies, about Apollo Care, about you, how would they go about finding you? 
The best place would be LinkedIn. So if you look on LinkedIn under Cheryl Weiss, I'm just there under my name. And I talk there a lot about franchising, about care, about horses, about football with the two boys. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best place to find me is over on LinkedIn. That's absolutely brilliant. And what I'll do is when I post this out later on this month, I'll make sure I put some links in so people can find you directly. Cheryl, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real joy. And thank you for your time today. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Chasing Care. I've been your host, Gavin Chase, and I've enjoyed your company. I'd just like to take a couple of moments to thank our sponsors, Network Healthcare, a care provider that's been delivering care across communities for the last 21 years, and to Top Care Executive Search, a specialist recruitment agency that identifies registered managers across the UK. So if you've enjoyed this episode, Please don't forget to subscribe, follow, or share. And of course, you can always send us a message. And if there's a subject that's really important to you and you'd like to come on Chasing Care and talk it through, then please get in touch. In the meantime, look forward to speaking to you again and have a great day.